The power of a changed life as we continue our series looking Sunday nights. And, uh, and this Peter knew about a changed life. He was, uh, of course, kind of straddling the fence. He's saved. Did you know you can be saved and not fully committed? You can be saved and not fully... Uh, then there's a growing up process. I've met saved people that have you... Has anybody ever seen a... Uh, Ten-year-old boy gets saved. Anybody? Okay. And uh, after they, after that ten-year-old boy got saved, did he? What did he act like? Miss <laughs> Barbara said it first. At least first one I heard. She said like a ten-year-old boy. <laughs> Guess what? There is a growing process. There is a grow. You actually you have to grow. You have to say you. You may not. Uh, you know, a lot of people that act drastically different when they get saved are usually older. Like, in other words, they were, you know, yep, uh, I've heard, and I love that old saying, yeah, I was, uh, man, I used to get drunk every night and slept with a thousand women and, and then uh, did this and did that. And uh, then when I was 11 years old, I gave my heart to Christ. And uh, so... Now that's, whew, that's a serious sinner, but usually most 11-year-olds don't say that. And uh, so you don't see a drastic change in a young person. You see that drastic change when they're usually older, and, but so there is a growing process. There's a, there's, we mature as a Christian. Now this next part, the title for tonight's message is The Blood of Christ. How apt for an Easter message. You know, thinking about that, I think, uh, you know, as we look to this title, The Blood of Jesus Christ, and thinking about what His blood means to us, we were saved by the blood, and uh, that old rugged cross was blood-stained. That old rugged cross was an instrument of also torture and death. It brings us hope. We have a cross right up there, too. And then across, I think, on the outside of that, on the other side of the brick, there's a cross. You know, it's a, it's a decorative symbol nowadays. We wear it on necklaces. Uh, had an interesting question asked to me the other day, and I cannot recall who asked me. They were talking, asked me a question about a, uh, was there a meaning some jewelry had a sideways cross on it, and uh, just a new way to wear the cross, and... I looked it up. There's no really any hidden meaning. Matter of fact, you could take it and use it as a witnessing tool. It's not derogatory in any meaning. It has no other symbolism. I think it's just somebody took the idea and said, well, let's hang it sideways. But did you know Jesus bore the cross sideways? He carried it. He carried the cross. And matter of fact, when he told his disciples, he looked at them, if any man will come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. That's the way you'd use it as a witness and tool. Say, why do you have a cross sideways on you? Well, Jesus died on it. It's now empty, and now I have to bear my cross. And uh, somebody said one time, they said, I have to bear my cross. It's my spouse right there. I have to bear them every day. No, don't say that to them. You'll get in trouble if you do that. But literally, spiritually, we bear our... He said, it says Matthew sixteen twenty four. If any man will come after me, follow me. Let him take up his cross. Deny himself and follow me. And so 
We're going to take off in um, verse 17 in First Peter chapter 1, verse 17, and, and looking at God's Word. And it says here, before, before I read verse 17, let me just do a quick little review. And uh, some of y'all may have an outlined Ryrie Bible like mine, and it says that uh, 13 through 16 is talking about being holy. And it is. It is. It's, did you know it's talking about being separate? We do need to, hey, whenever we grow up and live a changed life, we do need to be separate. We need to act differently than the world. And so Peter continues this thought as he, we head toward the blood. We look at verse 17, And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, past the time of your sojourning, your living here, in fear. Now listen, if I'm going to live a holy life the way the previous verses state, I need to realize that one day, why would I pass the time of my sojourning, my living here on earth in fear? Because I'm going to give an account one day. And guess what? Had Peter ever messed up in his life? Oh man, he had a list of things. There was a list of stuff he had messed up in. So he's really saying, you know what? I, man, I'm trying to do right now because I know I've messed up in the past. I need to live in fear. You know, and I think you have a holy fear. I know I feared. It's kind of like uh, Brother Denby was sharing about his whoopings from his mama. <laughs> and uh, and I, I was, uh, that's the way I respected my mom and my dad. Because I knew there probably would be pain involved if I disobeyed. There would be pain involved. And then he goes on to say, and he changes here. Now, somebody actually said, and I looked at it, there's a bunch of semicolons, all these are in the original language, and uh, semi, there's no period. Verse 17 through 21 is just really a long sentence, and uh, even in the Greek. And so it, it kind of keeps the same thought through this whole process, for as much, verse 18, as you know that you were not redeemed, you weren't bought back. Miss Dina, do you like... Uh, uh, coupons that say 50% off? How about 90% off? Oh, yeah. You like those kind of coupons? But if you got a coupon that says 90% off, how do you use it? you got a piece of paper that says 90% off. How does it work? Okay, so you can leave the coupon laying on your cabinet, and you can go to the store and just say, I want 90% off. Ah, you have to present it. Oh, so you so you got to do that, and so guess what? That's called redeeming a coupon. So we weren't redeemed with. We had to present something. Actually, Jesus presented it. We just it it was already paid for. Okay, and we just he redeemed us, for we were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. So we weren't bought with money. Did y'all know that? Remember that first picture? We weren't, he didn't get up there and say, let me write a check. Remember on the cross, he didn't write a check. We weren't redeemed with uh, silver and gold from your vain conversation. And remember, if you have a King James Bible, vain means empty and conversation means manner of life. You're empty living. Received by tradition from where? Your fathers or your ancestors. What was that referencing to? All, and it could be referencing all the old Judaism and all the Judean laws, but actually it means that, matter of fact, when, 
when Paul, I think Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, when he wrote that, he said the blood of bulls and goats has never saved anybody. And we weren't redeemed with the blood. That was all in faith. It says, did y'all know how was Abraham saved? Y'all know why he was saved? He's saved by faith. And Noah and Adam, and he, they trusted folks whenever God slaughtered that animal and Adam put it on, it wasn't the animal that saved Adam. It was accepting God's covering for sin that saved him. Now, who is ultimately God's covering for sin? Jesus. And when did you get saved? When you accepted God's covering for sin. And then it goes on to say, well, what was I redeemed by? But... With the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Remember that? I mentioned that this morning. That folks, I was saved not by silver and gold, not by some, nobody wrote a check for my salvation. Folks, God gave His life for our salvation. He shed His precious blood. So Peter is saying here, number one, I've got to, I've got to grow up because this is serious business. Number one, verse 17, I'm going to give an account. And number two, my salvation did not come cheaply. I need to live a changed life. And then he goes on to talk about Jesus in verse 20. He says, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you. We've talked about this before. How that Jesus Christ was, the Bible describes Him, as a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Here the other day, on matter of fact, I think it was on Wednesday night, before our revival began, we had this, uh, what is revival? And we had this, uh, you know, I had some slides and I was showing that. One of the verses that we shared that night came from Isaiah. I think there's only six or seven times that the word revive occurs in the Bible. And one of them, it says, and I, was talking, I looked at Trey, as a matter of fact, we talked about it because it's kind of a sidebar of uh, something, the subject we've discussed before about time and eternity and, you know, God dwells outside of time. Did you know a good way to look at that? Did you know Jesus... How old is he? Well, he's ageless. <laughs> he's ageless, isn't he? You know, if this right here, this end of this pew, Shaney, represents Genesis 1-1. Can you quote it real quick? You remember it? You don't? In the beginning, you can quote it. God. She doesn't did it. She's, a, she, she's soft-spoken. And like Allie Joe, she's soft-spoken too. And... uh but she said it, in the beginning, God created the heaven. In King James, it says heaven. Go to New King James, it says heavens. That's a whole other Hebrew lesson, isn't it? So, if, say this end of the pew represents that. Did you know God created time? He did. He said, yeah. That's it. Wouldn't be any space. Wouldn't be anything. If this represents Genesis 1-1, and say we're living, well, hopefully right here. <laughs> <laughs> right here. But actually, we've got to have time for a thousand year reign. But say this is, this is that the, when the, this earth we, and the millennial reign is done away with. When God says there's nothing, He wipes away all. We're burned. Remember, He's going to burn up everything, seeing that everything's going to be melted. And this represents that. Did you know, you know where God is? God is not inside of time. 
That's right. Did you know it's just like me up here? Did you know he can see from there to there all at once? That's how come he knows. You say, does God know what I'm going to do? But it doesn't force you to make a decision. You still have a decision. He just created it. And he created a world, I think, now, there's a thing going around the Southern Baptists. I know I'm off on a tangent right now, but it's okay because Jesus is the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Before he created that timeline called the front pew on Promised Land uh, church building, before he created time, did you know Jesus was the Lamb slain before the foundation? Does that make sense? Before Genesis 1-1, Jesus was a Lamb slain. I've got, I'm, I'm going to create the world, and I'm going to create lots of animals, and I'm going to create people, and I know they're going to mess up, and I've already got a plan. That's the way it worked. Now, you could get in, and we can elaborate all night long, but that's it in a nutshell. And God can see all of time all at once, because He's outside of time. A verse we read the other night in Isaiah said, Who inhabiteth eternity. He inhabits eternity. So in verse 21, it says, now, talk, still talking about you who by Him do believe in God that raised Him up from the dead and gave Him... So I do believe, that, and He did that and gave Him glory. How God did that. That your faith and hope might be in God. Who raised Jesus up? God did. Where's Jesus right now? In His glorified body, you say, well, He's in my heart. Well, that's really the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus, in His glorified body, is seated at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says so. Okay? God's Holy Spirit, yes, is in, the, in our church, and He's in your heart if you're saved. And that's what we say. Well, I invite Jesus into my heart, but we know that Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit are all one and the same. It's Another sermon. So Jesus is there. Alright, so, I've been saved, I've been born again, I need to live differently, I need to live a wholly separate life because I've been bought with a great price and I better be thankful. And then I get to verse 22. Seeing you have purified your souls, I'm trying to obey the truth, I need to live a good life, I need to obey the Word of God through the Spirit and then there's a word, matter of fact, I have it underlined in my Bible, the word unto. Unto, unfeigned. You know what that means? That's fancy for not faked. Not faked. See it, see it right there? Matter of fact, I forgot to take the shadow off. Did that. Anyway, whatever. Unfeigned love. Not faked. Not faked love. So, I'm saved, I'm born again, I'm trying to live for the Lord, and the whole process is I want to grow up and mature, and did you know mature Christians don't have to fake that I love you. Don't, we don't have to fake it because I'm growing in the Lord, I want to be different, I want to live differently, and I want to have unfaked, that's the way we'd talk today, Sean, that's what we'd say, we don't fake it, Okay? I don't need to act like somebody I'm not. I need to be who God wants me to be. Love of who? Love of the brethren. See that you love one another 
with a pure heart fervently. Now this is not in the slides, we'll just have to go with it. There's just a couple, one page for me and you. 1 Peter chapter 3. Turn over there, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. Which is teaching us how to live and how to what? The whole book's about what? Living a changed life. Remember the, uh, my illustration is a butterfly. That's a, what was a butterfly before he became a butterfly? <laughs> Ugly. <laughs> As a worm, a caterpillar. So guess what? We're growing in the Lord. You get saved. Did you know that's a metamorphosis? That's a change. And I live a changed life. 1 Peter 3, 8 says this, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful, which just simply means uh, uh, that we have, have compassion on each other. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. Don't, in other words... Somebody says something to me, I gotta say something back. And y'all understood every word I just said. Mm-hmm. Kids, if you ever folks, any of you ever ever babysit any three year olds, that's a, you know they just said that. They And then if you got a dog you say, Get on out of here. Or you might say that to your kids, I don't know. But that not rendering evil for evil, railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. Back to our text. So, I'm loving each other. Verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. I've been born again, I've been changed. Not talking about the flesh, and that means corruptible seed. But I've been born again of incorruptible by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Let's just talk about the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Did y'all know God's Word is forever? It's forever. The Word of God abides forever. It says this in verse 24, For the all flesh is of grass, and all the glory of man is a flower of grass, and the grass withereth, and the flower thereof findeth away. In other words, everything you and I do is going to be temporary. But do you know, y'all know what? You know what you do that matters in eternity? Anything based on this book. That's the only thing that'll last in eternity. And then, very last verse that we'll deal with, or and I have a verse later after. 25, but out of 1 Peter. But the Word of God, the Word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the Word which by, which by the Gospel is preached unto you. Y'all see this phrase? And this is the Word which by the Gospel. The Word there. Number one, the very first time in verse 25 it says, But the Word of God endureth forever. And the second time, this is the Word, is talking about Jesus. It's talking about Jesus. The Word of God abides forever. Let's head to John chapter 1, verse 14. John chapter 1, verse 14. Very familiar verse to some of you. 
It says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word of God abides forever. And anything we do that matters in eternity is based on this book right here. As we prepare for our hymn of invitation, you bow with me for a word of prayer. Father, I thank you so very much for allowing us to look at your word tonight, to realize that your word means that we need to live a changed life. That we were redeemed, we were bought with a price, and that price was your holy blood. Father, I pray that we would live for you, that we would love others, and that people could see us living a changed life. In Jesus' name, amen.